0: Last week, we began talking about life with God. Our scripture today, I read, reminds us that inside the scriptures themselves, you learn about what life is God. In fact, when we gather each time, hope enters this room. It may come in different measures with each person who's here, but the truth is, when we enter, it is the sign of our gathering. What God might yet do brings us to this place. Now, in the Christmas season, hope seems to take a number of forms, the same word used for lots of things. We may have a wish or a hope list around Christmas time. Those children up here probably have already told mom and dad and grandmom and a few other folks about something they would like to have. Maybe you can remember those times when you'd look through the the papers, the folders, the newspaper, the magazines, and the sales catalogs to find something you really wanted. And after you found it, you made sure that people knew about it, right? And there's no use keeping it to yourself. You got to tell somebody, so maybe it's going to happen. So hope is an idea of gifts that might be given, something you might receive. Someone out there cares about you and wants to give it to you. Uh, That is a well-developed idea of hope during Christmas time. Our challenge is to go farther with it. Christmas reminds us, first of all, that God is one who gives us hope in giving us Jesus. We're going to develop that as the sermon goes on. and say that because on the other side, we, we talk about hope in less than, than religious terms anyway. We may talk about hope as being sort of a uh, court of last resort. This is what I mean. Means that when we are about our everyday life, doing our things, making our plans and preparations, we may come across something we simply cannot control, cannot solve, cannot fix the problem on our own. Then we finally turn to God to fix the problem. Now, the difficulty in using that approach to hope is that it puts us in charge most of the time and God is only there as a backup. Understand that? He takes up the slack where we can't cover for ourselves if we cover hope as a court of last resort. Another way people talk about hope is often in a, an experience that happens daily in our culture. People go into uh, lots of different stores nowadays and buy lottery tickets or somewhere may place a bet of some kind with the hope that they will win. They don't know if that ticket or that number is a winning one, but they pay the money and they put it in their hands and they wait for the results to be announced. They may be sad, they throw it away if it's not their number, and they go back and try it again the next week. It is a a way of expressing hope that I might win something, luck if you may call it. The problem with that, of course, is it's random, outside of anyone's control, and we're not sure if things will ever get better. Uh, I don't like this commercial. There are two of them I remember. It's a beer commercial, so I don't tell you what beer it is. and That's not the point of the commercial. Point of commercial is is that there are fans watching a football game. Maybe you've seen it. This particular one, uh, one of the, the people watching it comes back to watch the game. His team has just scored, and he thinks to himself, every time I leave the room, my team scores. In his mind, he says, well, for the team, then I need to leave. So then he turns around and walks back into his dark basement. Did you see that? Isn't that kind of weird? He's convinced that if he's not there, and then the last line on that commercial is, "It only seems crazy if it doesn't work." Now, of course, to me, it's crazy no matter what, because you and I know that had absolutely nothing to do what happened on that field that that person saw on television. But people have all kinds of ideas about hope that may take the form of luck or chance in some form. None of these describe what God, Paul intends to say in our passage today. He talks about hope as trust. It is the ground beneath us. It is what will carry us, not as a last resort or a random chance. He describes God in this way, his steadfastness and his encouragement as the God of Hope. Think of it this way: It's like saying, "Whatever you are betting on in life, if you can bet on God as the one who guarantees it, then you've done the right thing." When we hope in Him, we've hoped in one that will not act randomly, who will not be there only occasionally, but one who loves us the best. We describe hope in a hymn with these words: "My hope is built on nothing less." than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So hope. It is something we know and experience and can really never get enough of, especially as God is the giver. With that comes the idea of how it is expressed to us. How do we develop hope? What does it come into our common life together? We find that all of us need it. All of us need a measure of acceptance. If we know that God accepts us, then we begin to hope in him. Now, that means that God is not saying to you and me, you got to be someone else or something else, or your life has to change a certain way in order for me to accept you. Whether it's the first time you've ever been in a church or you've been sitting in it every Sunday of your life, we're all the same. We need God's acceptance. And He will accept us wherever we are when we turn to Him. You cannot be in a place where He cannot reach you. We'll add to that, of course, that God accepts us where He finds us. He doesn't leave us there. That's to say that we spend a long time in our journey as Christians trying to understand exactly what God would do with us, how He would change us to be more like Him, more like Christ, when he does that, then we have found the best that hope could ever offer for us. John Hegel said it this way because it is in the stable of humanity that God has come in search of us, we understand hope. In this season, when we remember Jesus coming as a child among us, we understand the extent, the scope to which God brings hope into our world, not just as a spirit outside, but in the very embodiment of Christ himself we come to celebrate. We're going to be a people who experience acceptance, he would say. We know, first of all, that God accepts us. Out of that, we can find the stability we need for all the other needs that are out there. I think one of the struggles we have, maybe as children and sometimes as youth or young adults, we can get into unhealthy patterns of acceptance because we're not rooted well in the one most important. If we know that God is there and loves us, then whatever the world throws at us, we can always go back to that point, can always come to that anchor in your life and hold on to that no matter what else may change. But acceptance is something all of us need. Know that He would watch over us and God has something for us to do. May you remember that for children, for instance, when they are out even playing, a child comes in new to a, a, a group of kids, maybe that first day of school, a new classroom, what they're immediately trying to do is find out, can they make friends? Isn't that natural? Looking for a friend or friends within the group. That is looking for acceptance. Everybody may not like them, but they've got to have somebody that does. And, and there's a lot of uh, anxiousness that comes in those First days as they're trying to do it. The same is true when we get older. I think the same is true when a stranger walks into the sanctuary of a church. It is a brave act to walk into a, a congregation of folks you don't know any of them and you're asking yourself, Are they going to accept me? Now, acceptance is not going to appear this way. They're not going to walk up to you and say, Hi, I accept you. I mean, that would be weird, wouldn't it? That would be a weird thing to say. But you know how they do it? They say, Welcome. That's a starting point. Welcome, we are glad you're here. And what's more, we hope you're going to come again. And hopefully before you leave that sanctuary, they'll introduce you to somebody around them, and you'll meet two or three people that'll say, we're so glad you're here, we hope you'll come again. And when there's something else in the life of the church where you can be a part of, they will invite you. That's the way we know we're accepted, that people extend the invitation to let us in their lives. That's important for children, for youth, and young adults or adults of all ages. We all need acceptance. It was uh, one of the scariest moments in my life. It should be for any young man. When you stand before a father and ask for their daughter's hand in marriage. I remember that day. You don't ever forget that day. You know that? You don't ever forget it. I remember going to Vicky's dad. She was still in college. I was in seminary. Uh, she was young. She is younger than me. She wasn't just younger. She still is younger than me. Uh, and uh, I went to her dad and I asked, I asked him. I'd been hanging around their house about about six, eight months almost every day. And he got the idea it was getting a little more serious than he liked. But I finally came to him and I said, uh, Mr. Thompson, I would like to ask for Vicki's hand in marriage. He looks at me and he had one word to say. Anybody have a guess what the word was? No, that was the word. Hmm, I didn't count on that answer. I didn't really count on that answer right. I thought, hmm, something's not good here. What did I do wrong? Anyway, we worked through that. I could tell you all of it, but you don't want to know all of that. It was a good conversation. I let him know that Yes, we were asking for your blessing and not your permission. He didn't quite understand that. Being a father with two daughters, one married and one engaged, I understand what that means for dads who haven't done that yet. They're really only asking for the blessing. Got that? Not permission. And we got married, and he participated in all of it. He was always civil to me. I wasn't quite sure if he was going to accept me until... Oh, I guess it was maybe four or five years later, we were at a family gathering, big family reunion, their side of the family, and he and I happened to walk away from the crowd together. No one else was around us, and he, he stopped me and said this sentence to me. He said, Glenn, I think Vicky marrying you is one of the best things that could have happened in her life. Now, there were no witnesses to hear that, so I can make it up any way I want, but that was what he said to me. He never said any more words in that conversation. He turned around and walked away. But the one thing I felt in that moment was acceptance. It is a driving force in your life and mine. Psychologists know it. Psychiatrists know it. Theologians know it. We all know that we need to belong. To have people around us whom we love and can love us. That we can enter into the crowd and be a part of it. And that's what we're looking for. A church where we can belong. To let others into it. Because acceptance is important. It's not just a nice social thing to do. It is important as saying to someone, I love you, is to say welcome. And not only welcome, but we count you a part of us. That's part of what he does here. To let us know that we're accepted. We have a ministry to others also of hope. That people who come wondering, can they belong? Will anybody let me into their circle or their crowd? And the answer from us should always be yes. Whether you look like us, talk like us, dress like us, wherever you're from, we can say Yes. Which brings us to the other part of that struggle, of where we become people of hope. He says to us, you are to live in harmony with each other. You know, sometimes that's easier said than than done, right? Living in harmony. What does that mean? You know, when the choir sang to us just a few moments ago, did you notice they were not all singing the same notes at the same time? Did you notice that? You know, if they were singing the same note, you would say they're singing in unison. That's the kind, most of the time, the congregation does. That's the kind I do, okay? That means I can follow the melody, and they can add everything around it they want to. But the other that's added brings a new beauty. That's what harmony is. Harmony is making room for the beauty of what all of us have to bring should live in harmony it is a measure by which the world outside looks into the church to see if it is a place where they would like to belong but if we're not in harmony now let's let's carry it a little bit farther because harmony is easy to it's harder to keep the more different we are and the more we have been together you, you've been that way before I mean it's one thing being a family lately I like them Reunions. We go to them and I can catch up on the conversations, what's been happening for oh six months to a year since the last time we're all together, and we can just shoot the bull for about three hours. That's pretty good, you know that. About hour four, something happens. I don't know what it is, but we run out of conversations. We start remembering what we fussed about when we were growing up together. I don't know why, but I remember that we do that. It's sort of like when you know each other so well. You not only know the things that make you enjoy each other, but there are those irritating things that just keep surfacing again. And how do, how do you keep from going back to those patterns of behavior that, you know, like children, our disagreements led to hurt feelings, and hurt feelings led to other things that separated from each other. And how do you keep harmony? We come back to our story it is God who accepts us. And so we are to accept each other. It's based on His mutual love for us that we also love each other. And out of that, God can use His church. He can make us a new people. Hope is the theme that surrounds us. It is what Paul tells the community who is in Rome, a very diverse congregation of people who are Jewish in descent and Gentile, of Roman background, in one of the most cosmopolitan cities of its time. In that setting, the church existed. Some of the best theology in the scriptures is found in the book written to the people, the church of Rome. A maturity Paul is looking for in them if you, if you learn to accept one another even as God has accepted you and to live in harmony and hope makes the full circle. Emily Dixon says of hope, it's a thing with feathers that perches in the soul. It's something that close to what is at the very heart of who we are. It could seem to fly away if we aren't careful. It is something we love and need that much. Something God gives to us. In one of his Rocky movies, the line goes like this, Rocky is talking to um, a friend about this girl he loves. And the guy says, what's so special about this one? To which he says, we have gaps in you and there's gaps in me. But when she and I are together, there are no gaps. Think about that line for a moment. How do we find harmony with each other? We take our differences and begin to recognize that when you put them together, you often find the whole of what God is putting there. Your weaknesses and my strengths. Your likes and my dislikes. Somewhere in those, God can paint a better picture than he could for only one of us to be present. And there comes the harmony of the church. I never want the harmony of the church disturbed. It doesn't mean we count for nothing or mean nothing. We stand strong for important things. we let nothing come between the love of God in us we find that present no matter our differences it's what God would want the kind of people that cares for each other even as he has cared for us would you pray with me now father we give you thanks that in this world you've come through the presence of your son Jesus You've taught us more of what life is to be like with you and the attitude of hope that you would build in us together and how you would have us to live that way among each other a people who learns to accept to extend that welcome that welcome not only to become to come but to become a part of and lord you would change us as only you can into the likeness of your son we give you thanks and open our hearts in this season to the hope that you've promised. In the name of Jesus, amen.